CalCast is delivered by FedEx, our presenting sponsor. FedEx provides solutions that help businesses simplify shipping operations and grow their reach to new customers. See how FedEx can help save your business time on shipping. Visit FedEx.com slash e-commerce to learn more. That's FedEx.com slash e-commerce. Hello, folks. Coach Cal from the CalCast. Today's guest, Mark Cuban. That's right. Owner of the Dallas Mavs. Pittsburgh native. Grew up very similar to how I grew up. His grandparents were immigrants. Um, didn't speak English. After 40 years, it was broken, just like my grandmother and my aunts. And um, found his way. Um, learned from his father. He said his father was a gatherer. You're going to hear all those things. You're talking about a guy that started business-wise selling trash bags door-to-door and made enough money to buy shoes. And uh, You're talking about a guy as a 16-year-old started taking college courses because he wanted business courses. He really wanted to learn about business. Um who went into the NBA and just decided, I'm going to do it my way. I know it's different, but I'm going to do this in a different way. Um, who has treated his players and his star athletes with great respect and appreciation for what they've done for him. Um, into his family. I mean, there are a lot of stuff that you're going to hear um, why and when and who, Shark Tank. And yeah, we touch on... You'll have to listen to it. Um, the Donald Trump, the President Trump stuff, just briefly. I'm going to have him back on the show. We'll we'll do politics back then. I'm not into politics right now, um, other than I'm just hoping for success of our president for our country and everybody in it. Let me throw a little bit of love to Blue Apron. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. So it's important to know where your food comes from. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. Here's something else that's great about Blue Apron. They ship the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe. There's no food waste. And when I'm eating those great meals, there's definitely nothing going to waste. Blue Apron sends everything you need to make sustainable and delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. There's no worrying about what to make or having to find time to get to the grocery store. It's everything you need shipped right to your door. Some of the meals available in February include roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad, crispy barramundi with kiwa, and roasted carrot salad. And cashews chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. With free shipping right to your door by going to blueapron.com coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, but it's, it, is a, 
it is a behind-the-scenes look, and it's a behind-the-scenes feel for who Mark Cuban is and why he is the way he is. Uh, I had a ball with it. I hope you enjoy it, too. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, Mark Cuban, um, amazing what you've been able to do. You bought an NBA team. Are you playing in a celebrity all-star game? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Got to. Wait a minute. I played in it before when I was in Dallas, but yeah, I'm dying to. Uh, Didn't you have hip surgery? Yeah, both of them. And you both replaced. And and you're still going. You're just like, watch watch me make some jumpers here. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying they'll go in. You'll watch me take some. Now, whether or not they go in, it's a whole other deal. But, um, yeah, you, you know. Once you go through it, if you don't get back at it, it, you stop, right? And I've got basketball in my blood. I love the game. I still play pickup. Um, I try not to play old man basketball, but it's hard not to. But it's in my blood, so I got to play. And that's how you stay in shape. I see you in a T-shirt all the time. I can't wear a T-shirt. I I got a little bit of my dad's (laughs) belly that I'm trying to get rid of at my age, but... uh, uh, that's how you stay in shape then? You're playing basketball? Are you, are you wait, lifting weights? It looks like you... I, I don't really lift weights. Like I, I've got the thing where I'll do push-ups in the morning, my Herschel Walker routine, just to get the blood going, nothing big. And then um, I'll try playing basketball a couple times a week, and then um, I'll try to do elliptical. So when I'm watching games at night, rather than just laying in bed like I used to, I'll get on the elliptical, close the door, and, and just watch all my games. And that, that's really what's done it more than anything. So where I get on the elliptical and I watch game tape of the upcoming team, you're watching your team. Yeah, well, typically I'm at the games, but if, if I'm not at the game, I'm watching my team or I'm watching NBA games or um, where we've been playing this year, I've been watching your team a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my guys going. Hey, let, let's, we're no, both from, we're both from Pittsburgh. Um, yep. You know, it's gritty. Um, uh, you learn how to grind. Um, you were held accountable. Um, you know, sometimes you, they told you, I love you, which is probably once in 12 years. I mean, it's just not (laughs) growing up in Pittsburgh, you know, you, what, what kind of impact did that have knowing your grandparents were immigrants? My grandparents were immigrants and, and maybe tell us a little bit about your parents. Sure. Um, my grandparents came over, um, from Russia, both sides, my mom's and my dad's side didn't speak English. Um, they came over on Ellis Island, started in New Jersey, and then ended up in Pittsburgh, where both my parents were born and, um, and grew up. And, I mean, you know it's like, Cal. I mean, it was all work, 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 yeah. try to get a better life. You know, they, they left for a reason. They, you don't leave the country you were born in because everything is good, right? You don't leave because, you know, you, you, you're living the high life. You, li- you leave because you feel threatened, you feel endangered, and you know, and add to that, they were depression. You know, they, they lived their lives during the depression. And so nothing was ever given to them. And, and so they really instilled upon me and to my parents to instill upon me that anything you're getting, you're going to have to work for. Nothing's going to be given to you. And, and, you know, I remember, I mean, I was born in Squirrel Hill in, in Pittsburgh and that's where my grandparents ended up. My dad, we moved, moved to South, the South Hills from there. But, um, I would take the bus down to see him on the weekend 
And, and you know, they still don't speak a lot of English even after having been in the country for 40 years. Um, but it, it was all love and all work. And my, my grandfather on my, on my mom's side, you know, he slept clothes up and down going, you know, auto car dealership to auto dealership selling clothes out of a briefcase. And that's what he did, you know, until he had a stroke in his seventies. And, you know, he just always worked. And my dad did upholstery on cars. And, and so I forced him to retire. And, you know, my mom did odd jobs and, you know, it was just, you know, neither my parents or my grandparents went to college and, you know, you, I mean, you know, the story, yeah. I mean, it's nothing unusual, you know, that, that's just, that's who we are. But, but here's the other thing. They, they wanted a better life for you than they had. And, and everything they did was based on that. But, but what about this now? Um, one of your parents or grandparents had to be the gatherer because you bring people together. And so someone in there was, you know, my dad was a grinder. Like this guy, he was a grinder. Double shifts and come on, now we're cutting grass. Dad, please, let's throw a football after we cut the grass. I mean, you, you, you laugh because you probably, it was the same. But which one was the gatherer? Oh, yeah. Who, who brought people together? Uh, who? My dad did. My dad brought people together. Like, you know, there was always the poker game at, at my house, you know, <laughs> where, where they'd be pounding beers or, you know, <laughs> drinking whiskey and telling stories. And I used to just sit there stealing their donuts when I was a kid and listening to the stories, you know, the World War II stories and growing up and the fights and, you know, selling newspapers and, you know, he grew up in the Hill District in, in Pittsburgh, which is where the state is a football stadium is now. But back then wasn't the nicest part of town. And, you know, it was a mixed neighborhood, Jewish, Italian, black. And everybody, you know, tried to, to live, get along with everybody else. And, yeah, my dad was the guy who brought everybody. My dad, to this day, he's 90, gets along with everybody. There's when my dad's in the room, everybody is smiling and laughing. You know, I got to say this. Uh, my father's 84, just turned 84, uh, and finally got him to retire. Um, and he will stop in Walmart just to see people. Like, he'll go yep. up there and just gather up there. Like, if he doesn't have anybody down by the yep. house, let me go up there. It's amazing that, uh, you is know. Is he still in Moon Township, or where's he at? No, he's down in Charlotte now. My mother and he moved to oh, Charlotte. Nice. uh um, you know, there was, uh, the airline business went crazy and Allegheny airline to us air to Piedmont yep. was bought and he was bouncing around and, uh, yep. um, but it's, Hey, let's, let's, let me ask you this one. Tell me this. Did uh -huh. you enroll at the university of Pittsburgh before your senior? Like, yep. tell, tell me yeah, that. I mean, I what, what, how the heck did you do no. that? What, what led you to want to do that? <laughs> I mean, t let me just say you didn't teach disco dancing lessons. No way. Yes, I did. And that's the second story. But so, <laughs> um, anyways, um, so I was I went to Mount Lebanon High School and Mount Lebanon High School wouldn't let me take business classes. So I was a senior and I was like, I want to challenge myself. I, I knew I was a business guy my, since I was nine, ten years old. So I, I knew I was all about business. And so I wanted to challenge myself. And so I, I said, OK, well. Pitt didn't really have business classes either, but I want to see if I'm, if I'm as smart as I think I am. So I signed up for um, a couple classes um, at the University of Pitt, at Pittsburgh. One was a psychology class, which I did really well. The other, believe it or not, Cal, um, when 
when I went to high school, we had to take a language, and one of the options was Russian. My grandparents came over from Russia, so I took Russian. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to take a Russian class at the University of Pittsburgh. And this is all at night while I'm, at, um, I'm in 11th grade of 16. And I did well in the psychology class. Couldn't handle the Russian class at college level, but it, it led me to challenge myself. And so, you know, that was my first taste. I actually did not go back for my senior year. I, I was officially a high school dropout. I, instead, I went down to Pitt and lived on campus and, and was a freshman. How did your mom and dad, off. how did they feel about this? Did you ask them? Did you say you were going to do this? Did they look no, at you like you're crazy? They had no idea. They're like, okay, if you can make it work, <laughs> more power <laughs> to you, right? And so I, I made it work, and, you know, the rest is history. So I go, again, back then, Pitt didn't have a business class, and I was all about business. And so um, I had taken all my introductory stuff, and um, I transferred to Indiana University in Bloomington, and I, I needed a job. And so one of the – I could always dance. And so one of, a friend of mine who um, was in a sorority was like, look, we, we're having a mom's weekend, and we need someone to come in and, and teach us a lot of these disco moves. And I, I've seen you dance. Can you come in? I'm like, it's $25 an hour, which back then was like astronomical. And I'm like, if you'll pay it, I'll, I'll come in and teach you guys. And that got me started. And, you know, it was the best job ever. I would take that job for 25 bucks an hour today. What, why would, why'd you go to Indiana? I mean, what, what led you that way? Um, I saw a list of the top 10 business schools and it was the only one I could afford. It was the cheapest one. Wow. That's what got me there. I'd never sit wow. never seen the campus. Wow. It, I mean, I, I just went. Wow. And then you were into, that's where you got into the basketball. You fell hard from there. No, no, no. I was already into that. Hey, I was, I mean, we're about the same age. Remember they filmed. Um, the fish could save Pittsburgh yeah, yes, back yes. to the Civic Arena. Yes. I went down there just so I could get a glimpse of Julius Irving. I wow. figured out being an extra, but just to see Julius, I've been a basketball junkie. You know, in Pittsburgh, we had Pitt and Duquesne, right? I used to sneak into the Pitt-Duquesne games watching, you know, the Davis Twins. And, you know, um, I went to Red Manning's basketball camp. Red Manning. John, John Sinicola. John Sinicola, yeah. Red Manning. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. That, wow. You know, and that turned in at Robert Morris College, which turned into the five-star camp. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that was way back, way back when um, I was, I was, I've always been a basketball junkie before I got to IU. Well, Western PA back then, uh, uh, Sonny Nathan Lewis, you remember the guys that went to Fifth Avenue yep. High School and you had some unbelievable – Sam Clancy, Sam Clancy yeah. who ends up being in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. And, and then we had to yep. court all the quarterbacks. You know, you had all the oh, quarterbacks. Yeah, yep. yeah, all the way back. And, oh, yeah. and so, um, you know, it's the city has changed, as you know. It's become more of a white-collar oh. city than a blue-collar city. When you and I grew up, it was that was blue-collar now. It was blue-collar. Oh, I mean, I remember driving to see my grandparents, and um, the whole city smelled like rotten eggs from the mill. <laughs> and it was like... Did they let you swim in the all- river? Were you allowed to swim in the river? <laughs> Oh, hell no. <laughs> they threw my mom and dad threw me in the river to teach me how to swim and I was like pushing oh, stuff really? out of the way. Yeah, I'm probably going to die oh, young from that stuff, funny. but uh no, it was we had to we had to hose off our house. How about that one from the mills? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're talking this is that. this is Pittsburgh stuff. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Are you hiring? 
Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? There are talented, driven folks that will help your team win. The key is finding them first. With ZipRecruiter, you can. Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. And ZipRecruiter's website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches, too. And ZipRecruiter lets you add multiple people to your account. It's the most efficient way for your team to find the best tire. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. With ZipRecruiter, quickly scan candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by more than 1 million businesses. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. When it comes to entrepreneurship, there must be something in the water in Indiana. Mark Cuban and also my friend Papa John. If you haven't picked up John Schneider's great book, Papa, the story of Papa John's Pizza, about how he grew a pizza business from a broom closet in Indiana to 5,000 stores, you guys are going to want to check it out. Here's another thing you've got to pick up. Papa's Ultimate Meats Pizza, pepperoni, deli-style salami, sausage, center-cut Canadian bacon, and hickory-smoked bacon, piled high on Papa John's fresh, never-frozen hand-tossed dough and fresh-packed tomato sauce, and then topped with mozzarella cheese and bacon seasoning. You can get a large Ultimate Meats pizza for only $11. But get this, if you use my exclusive promo code, CoachCal, you'll get 25% off your regular menu price order. Just enter CoachCal when you order online at papajohns.com or on the Papa John's app. The offer is good at participating stores in the U.S. only. Again, use my promo code, CoachCal, and get 25% off your regular menu price order any day of the week. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. All right, let's, let, me, let me talk to you about this one, the uh-huh. D-League. And I know you have opinions on it, but I'm going to yep. give you some stuff that I feel. I'm, I'm happy you guys are paying more money, okay, because right. I think you almost want to say a living wage, okay? But I'm right. hearing it's only going to be a couple guys. It's not going to be the entire team. I don't know that. You right. would know better. Um, yeah. I, I think, again, creating opportunities for more players um, that they have a chance, but it's not going to be like minor league baseball because you can't stay in the no. D league like eight years. This this is a right. one or two year max three year because you're one of the greatest guys in that town and you do stuff or it's a three year deal. My thing, right. again, what I say, I love it. It's more jobs. It's more opportunity. I hope you pay more to those guys. My other side of it is this if this is an incentive for high school kids that are ninth and tenth grade that well I'll go straight to the D League. Now my issue is societal. That do right. we really want to do this to young guys? And my thing is if you want young guys, take them right out of high school. 
Like, don't have them go to college. You don't. No, they don't I, have to go I, to the D league. I get what you're saying, right? So I, I personally, I don't think a kid in ninth or tenth grade who can play is really thinking about, hey, I'm going to go to the D league, right? They're thinking, I'm going to IU, I'm going to UK, or I'm going to the pros, right? And if you think you're that good, you know, you're hoping you're a one and done kid. The thing about straight to the D league is really, you know, there are some programs and you know, you got to go all where they are where. The kid will go and he'll play the first semester. You know, he'll go to school one semester, and because he knows he's one and done, he checks out and doesn't really go to school and doesn't really develop any life skills because the school is taking care of everything for him. You know, you're playing 30 games. That's it. The school handles everything. You you know you don't have to worry about class because you're done. And those kids that get caught in that in between who think they've got the talent, maybe overvaluate their talent and underprepare themselves in life skills, I think that's where the D-League really plays a part because we can work with kids that don't necessarily um, develop those life skills. And I think that's really where the D-League can come in. And we can also help them become better basketball players because part of the challenge, and, and again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, in college, more often than not, I mean, UK is obviously an exception, even IU, is an exception where you have more than one prospect on the team. Most teams, they, if they're lucky, they have one kid that might be able to play in the D League, might be able to play in the NBA, and that kid just learns to be the guy, right? You know, there's five seconds, ten seconds left on the shot clock. They're getting the ball every possession, and they don't really learn how to play basketball. And so the D League creates an opportunity for those kids, really, who maybe aren't quite there yet. Maybe they you know, over, you know, they think they're better than they are. We'll take them in. We can teach them how to be basketball players and also teach them some life skills. And I think, and they make some money, right? They don't, you know, they don't just get shuffled out. And, and now, like you said, they'll make a living wage. So I, I think there's a lot of positives there, but I get your point, right? Because there's always those guys that are caught in between in no man's lands. And those are the ones that, you know, colleges and the NBA have to learn to deal with because those are those are the ones we don't treat as well as we should. So, if a kid decides to come here and he stays one year, he's got a lifetime scholarship. He can stay four, and Which is he great. can stay five years. Which okay. Is great. Yep. I just my issue becomes the kids that are going to be encouraged not to do the academic work at a young age are exactly the kids that we're all trying to help and give them hope and give them dreams. And my point right. is that a young man that goes to the D-League and doesn't make it in two years and makes $50,000 or whatever now has no education, no opportunities. I agree 100%. And I come back to this with you guys. In the NBA, take him out of high school then. But you're going to have to pay him $14 million. I mean, I understand why you don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Look, take him right out of high school. I'd rather, I'd rather see it be two or three or four and done, right, instead of one and done because that solves that problem, you know, where if the kid gets a chance and, you know, he's got to go to school for two years, he's got to learn to become a student. He has no choice. You know, I also don't have a problem with, you know, us working out deals. And I've discussed this with the league, working out deals with local colleges where we say, okay, you know, you fall out of the D league, we'll work out a deal with a, a, a local um, public school and we'll get you taken care of there. So you can go to school. Cause I agree with you. I mean, look, even, you know, even uh, a guy who makes it from the D-League to the NBA, 
you know, on average is going to play three and a half, four years. They're not going to make, you know, they're, they're going to make good money relative to the real world, but they're not going to make enough money to live off the rest of their lives. They're going to have to figure out a career. They're going to have to figure out alternatives to basketball. And some, we need to figure out better ways to help them. And I know, you know, the NBA is definitely addressing that. We're trying to find solutions and we're even trying to go deeper. I mean, you know, to me, one of the biggest problems is AAU. You know, I started, I, I helped fund a heroes program here in Dallas for kids playing basketball as an alternative to AAU, where you've got to go to class and you've got to reach certain academic levels in order to play, you know, and you know, you know how AAU is. It's scary the way it works. Look, if we all come together and make it about these kids, uh, I, I say this all the time. I, I'll come up with things and, and people, oh, he's only worried about Kentucky. Well, the, at the end of the day, Kentucky's going to eat first. So whatever's left out right. there, we're going to get our first dibs. So it, whatever right. it is, we'll be fine. My concern yep. is, what are we doing to these kids at a young age? And they're exactly the kids that are going to be infected. We're talking about kids, you know, kids from inner cities that are saying the easy route is just the D-League. And you and I know a small, small percentage of the kids going through that route will make it. And we're that's on the my same page, Coach. Yeah, we're on the yeah. same page. I just don't think kids look to go to the D-League, right? Well, at this point, right. let me say this: if you if uh -huh. you pay them a hundred thousand a year, believe me, you're how much did your dad yeah. make in mine? Mine made sixteen thousand. If my dad yeah. knew I could make a hundred thousand for two years, I'd have been in the D League. I mean, so <laughs> so that no, I, anyway. I, 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 I but in order to get those two way contracts, you got to be at the NBA level, right? You're right. not going to get the two the two ways, right? And so I don't think. I don't think the perception is going to be this is a D league contract that pays you 75 or a hundred grand. It's going to be, you have to be on the NBA roster to get to that point. And then you have to have an NBA contract and you get credited for those NBA days. So that, that's perfect. You know, I that's love, I love that. Yeah. I love it because yeah. you're giving opportunities to the guys that are in the league that are on the fringe that deserve, may need some time to grow Correct. into it. And you can exactly. pay them, and they get a living with great stuff. I love exactly. it. All right, let's exactly. let's talk this one. Shark Tank. My wife yep. loves Shark Tank. I don't get to watch <laughs> it as much. She loves I it. She's you. like, "Why aren't you watching this with me?" But what what was the best? Uh, what tell me the best thing that walked on there that you looked at and said, "Wow, wow!" How many years There's have you done it now? I, I've done it for seven years now, and um, I've done seventy plus deals. There's, you know, they're like my kids. It's like, which player just made you say, wow? You can't just say, okay, yeah. you know, Anthony Davis. Or give me um, four or five. What what, what would I they mean, be? So I'll give you where on Pittsburgh. There's a girl, um, Lady Lazari. She started a company called Simple Sugars because she had some um, skin issues when she was 11 years old. Worked on this company, worked on this company. She, 19 years old, she comes on Shark Tank, gives one of the best presentations ever. She was doing $30,000 a year in business. This year, she, she'll do $3 million plus, make $500,000 just in East, you know, just a small town in Pittsburgh, right outside of Pittsburgh, and now she's killing it. You know, those, those are my favorite kind of stories. Um, we've, I've got a girl, Andrea, who's 12 years old, came out with this back scrubber thing that she sells for $29, makes them for $250. Started selling them door to door in in her local community. Comes on now she's selling four or five hundred thousand dollars worth, and literally now she's fifteen, paying for her college, 
you know, between her and her mom making a hundred thousand dollars a year, those kind of stories where, you know, people come from small towns, figure it out themselves, take the initiative. Those are the great ones. Those are the ones I love, Cal. You did the paper route. I'm hitting back on you growing up. You did the paper route, was it? You did stuff. My and, brother tell did. Me. My, yeah, my brother did, and I helped. But I, my, the story is, my dad was playing poker as usual, and he was, you know, a basketball <laughs> junkie. I wanted a new pair of basketball shoes, right? I think back then it was like beta bullets or whatever. And um, I was like, Dad, I need a new pair of shoes. He goes, Mark, those shoes look like they're working just fine. Those ones you got on, when you have a job, you can buy whatever shoes you want. And I'm like, I'm six, you know, I'm 12, Dad. How am I going to, you know, get a job? And one of his buddies, who probably had about 12 beers too many, goes, I got a job for you. I've got all these boxes of garbage bags that I don't even remember how we got them. But I'll let you sell them. You pay me three. You sell them for six. And literally, no lie, I went door to door to door as a 12-year-old selling a, a bag of 100, a box of 100 um, garbage bags for six bucks. I mean, I remember my pitch. Hi, my name is Mark Cuban. I live on Metal Art Drive. Do you use garbage bags? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to save you a trip to the store. Six bucks. And, you know, I made a killing. I got my shoes. Isn't that amazing? You, you took over the Mavs. Um, uh-huh. You had never been an owner in the league, um, but you went in with, we're going to make this family. And the reason I know that is I know people from in the organization that had been in the organization, that had coached in the organization. They even told me if a family member was in the hospital, you may show up over the hospital and you, you made this, like this is us in there working together to make this special for yep. Dallas. Where, yep. Because at that time it was assets. We got assets. You got assets. Get me a coach that can make these assets play together. It wasn't that way. I mean, what led you to say this is how we're doing it here? That's the only way I knew. I mean, you know, I had a choice when I got in. I could try to be like everybody else and do what they did, or I could just be myself and and go with what works. And you know, I'm not going to say I'm not cocky and and confident. And so I, I, I went with my way, and that included trying to be inclusive and trying. You know, my I always. To me, people say, what's leadership? Leadership is, you know, trying to figure out how to put people, trying to give people the vision of what you're trying to accomplish first, and then understanding what people want to do with their lives and putting them in a position to succeed and making those two mesh. If your goal matches with my goal and I put you in a position to succeed, we both win. And so I would never ask anybody to do a job I wouldn't do. I'd always, you know, you know, what can we do? How are we going to get there together? And, and to that, to this day, that's paid off for me. Dirk, how, uh, I mean, what he's meant to that franchise. Unbelievable. And then, Un- and, and, and then, and then how you've treated him because of that as he winds this thing down, I think is so admirable. It just doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's family now. <laughs> Dirk, you know, I grew up with Dirk. I mean, I learned from him. He learned from me, and and it's just, it's just been incredible. I mean, what it, you know, it's it's always an easy decision. Whatever Dirk wants, he he's earned it, right? He, he gave us the title. He he just he he set the culture. He you know he gave everything he has. He's giving everything he has physically and mentally and emotionally. You don't you know the, you don't second guess that. You just do and. You know, you know, as, as we get older, Cal, you you know, time goes by faster, and that kind of, you know, makes it a little bit easier. Honestly, it's like 
you know, early on when I bought the Mavs, every year seemed to be forever. Now it goes by a little, you know, a little bit faster, which means, you know what, I can be a little bit more patient. You know, maybe I would have done things a little bit differently, you know, if, if I didn't put Dirk first, but I'm going to feel a whole lot better about myself and it's going to pay off way amazing dividends for the franchise because everybody's going to know how we treat our guys. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it's – I see it, and I'm, I'm just one of those guys that looks from, from the outside. Uh, and I got to tell you this, um, it's – Jerry Colangelo was kind of like that when he was in Phoenix. You know, uh, yep. I remember him giving Danny Manning a contract on his – on the bed when he had to had to get the third knee surgery and he said hey man you came yep. here you did it you're getting a three-year deal and and i think yep. this stuff that you're doing and i think it's right it does pay off you um i saw dirk i have to tell you this i went over to trapani italy i was uh with the nets at the time and i went over to see some players and saw him and i saw um i said you know what he's good but i like van horn Keith Van Horn was kind of like him, but uh-huh. and I yeah, knew Keith, he was. Yeah, they. But um, I'm going to tell you, wow, you know, you as things, some of it's heart, some of it's fight, and I think Keith was a terrific player. But Dirk is is becoming an icon. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it, it's, uh, funny, it's funny you say that because, like, when Dirk starts talking about guys with college and everything, um, he always talks like he he, he would have gone to UK. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I would have got to Kentucky. We would have just destroyed everybody. And I'm like, oh, I don't want When to we went into Dallas, I left stuff for him. I left gear. We were in there. We went and practiced in your practice facility, and I left all kind of Kentucky gear for him. Hey, what about this, Mark? <laughs> what, what moves you now? I mean, you got family, and people tell me they see you at the montage with your, 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 yep. your wife and kids. And I mean, what's, what is it now? I mean... You know, we're at that oh, age. It's like, like, what what is it that moves you? What is it that's that's driving you now? Um, family, um, always. But other than that, I'm just competitive. I just, I, I, I you know, I, I don't like to give an inch. I, I just love to compete. To me, you know, business is the ultimate sport. And you know, you know, I'm sure you were the same way. I was when I first got started. I was always the youngest, right? And I love being the youngest. And now I'm not the youngest by a long shot. <laughs> But I want to prove to all those young kids that think they can just take us on that, you know, I'm going to compete, whether it's in a business, an investment, or playing pickup. Like, I don't want to play pickup against guys my age. I want to play pickup against guys that are half my age, you know, and show I can compete. And that, that you know, after family, just competing is what keeps me going. And, and business is the ultimate sport. I say this to Dirk. It's like, dude, you practice a couple hours. You play a 48-minute game that two hours. Then you got to go get your rest. And business, it's the ultimate sport. It's 24 by 7 by 365, unlimited competition, and there's always somebody new trying to buff you off. And it's probably a 16-year-old girl somewhere trying to outdo you. And so, you know, I, I just love that challenge, and that's what keeps me going. And, and your mind never stops. That's what no, your mind never, never stops. It's there's there's it's craziness. What about inspirations? Did, was there anybody other than your family, your fa- you know where you grew up and how you grew up, which is obvious. Uh, the DNA yeah, you in you was just my dad. Just my dad. There was nobody really that I had like as a mentor or everything. My dad was always you got to figure it out for yourself. You got to figure it out for yourself. You got to figure it out for yourself. And um, that's just always been my approach. I mean, I, I took it from him. 
You know, I'm a big fan. Obviously, you're from Pittsburgh and all that, but it's more than that. It's how you treat people. And uh, I wish you well. I'll be watching. And we'll talk next time, and we'll talk about the presidency and political and all the everything Uh, they wanted us to talk about that we didn't talk about, which I'm good with. You know what? I'm glad we didn't get there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate it, Coach. We'll be in touch. All right. Bye-bye. I really enjoyed that conversation with Mark Cuban. And part of it, it brought me back to my roots. Uh, Our families came as immigrants, didn't speak English, spoke broken English 30, 40 years later. Um, My dad was a driver, a grinder, and a gatherer day to day. My mother was the dreamer. And it sounds as though he had people around him that inspired him to be what he wanted to be. Um, The poker games, I'm going to tell you, my dad, oh, they did poker, to where we started doing it in high school because we were following our own parents. So we'd have our little poker thing and have chips and, and, you know, we're playing. If you lost $20, you wanted to slit your wrist. We were playing for a dollar. And and then when the poker was over, we did AC Ducey, you know, high-low and cut. And if you tie, it was crazy. But. So all that stuff reminded me back uh, of growing up. And to hear him, I, I just hope you enjoyed it and, and you look at it and you look at him in a different light. He wasn't handed anything. The guy was selling garbage bags door to door. So, you know, talking about this team I'm having right now, we're finally breaking through. Um, if you think these kids know when they're, 18 and 19. Malik just turned 19. They don't. I've had to teach them how to play up 19, 18. And you're saying, what are you talking about? You have to know when you're up 18. Well, first of all, you don't stop playing because it's kind of getting in prevent defense. It prevents you from winning. But you also don't throw when you should run twice and kick a field goal. You don't throw then. You're playing to win. And so, defensively, what's it look like? Are we still being aggressive? Yeah, but we're not taking crazy chances. We're going to crowd the lane a little bit and make it hard for them to make plays. So, we've taught it moving the ball. The rebooting was both on offense and defense. And it's coming. It's still not there. It's a work in progress. It took us three weeks to get to where we are. And now... We're trying to break through. Got two road games. Our next two games are going to be hard on the road. And we'll see how this plays out. But I like the path my team is on. I like how they're accepting roles. Um, You know what? We're getting closer. Uh, And until next week, you take care. I hope you enjoyed this podcast because I enjoyed doing it. 